Hey, what it do, sports fans? Welcome to the Sports Live podcast brought to you by Multimedia Live. I'm Sboom Jigeliso, your host, and I will be joined by various guests on this exciting new podcast to discuss the latest ins and outs of the sporting world. It's Rugby World Cup week, and boy, am I excited. As I told you last week, I will be at the showpiece in Japan for the first week, and I'll be attending the Springboks versus the All Blacks game in Yokohama this Saturday, and I also get to watch Ireland versus Scotland, also in Yokohama the following day. And I'll be doing some sightseeing thanks to some of my buddies at MultiChoice who have made this possible for me. I'll bring, I'll be bringing you some content from there, of course. So follow me on Twitter at Sbu underscore Mjigeli, so or use the hashtag SportsLive or hashtag Sbu Specials. I feel like I've been preparing all my life to go on this Japan trip. Anyone who knows me will know how much of a massive sushi fan I am. In fact, on my first date with my now wife, we actually had sushi, so I taught her how to eat and use those chopsticks but i am i can consider myself a pro on chopsticks yeah i'll probably i'll probably eat rice and noodles with them chopsticks i'm 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 a master but we're not here for that let's get into some of the meat of this rugby world cup preview episode but before we do that let's brush up on what's been happening in the sporting world since we were lost together australia of course retain the ashes but the test series was drawn to all after england won the fifth and final test by 135 runs at the oval in london it's one of those rare times when the captain in this case australia's tim payne won the toss and chose to field and gone on to lose the test match england all-rounder ben stokes was named player of the series somewhat diabolically and surprisingly, since Steve Smith averaged 110 with the bat and scored 774 runs, including a 211 in the fourth test at Old Trafford, and the man missed one whole test match, meaning two innings. He wasn't even there. That's the only test match um, that they had lost prior to the fifth test it was when Steve Smith was unavailable because of injury. Of course, there were was also plenty of Premier Soccer League football on the go this past weekend. Kaiser Chiefs lost their first match of the season last weekend when they went down 1-0 to Polokwane City at FNB Stadium on Saturday. It was so funny because then Stuart Baxter started training. This is diabolical. It's Ernst Minendorp's first defeat of the season. And suddenly Chiefs fans are running calling for Stuart Baxter already. But such is the trivial football nature of South African football, man. I can tell you this, that you are only as good as your last result. Their Soweto rivals, however, Orlando Pirates, got their first win under caretaker coach Rulani Mukwena when they beat Chipa United 2-1 at Orlando Stadium. That result has cost Clinton Larson his job as Chipa United coach. He only lasted eight months. Now, we all know Chipa Mpengesi is cutthroat, man. That guy in Port Elizabeth does not mess around. Eight months, Clinton Larson. And I thought he was doing quite well. And this is it. Like, this is it for him. And over a defeat to Orlando Pirates away from home, I thought that was a bit harsh. But if you look at Chipa Mpengesi's record over the past, I don't know how many years, the dude is just cutthroat. Throat. But the match of the weekend was definitely the 3 all draw between Supersport United and Cape Town City in Bombela. Tabono Tata scored twice for the citizens while United were saved by a late Tamsanga, the king, Gabuza. 
scoring a late, late strike there to save the three-all draw for Supersport United. Now, I don't know if it was a sign or not, but I was at the Nedbank International Polo event in Inanda Santin on Saturday and saw South Africa beat New Zealand at polo. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I couldn't tell you from your R's and your T's and your I's in that game, but I could tell you what the final score was, which was 6-5 to South Africa. It was a really hoity-toity event. I don't know if I was even dressed properly for it, but I hope that the result was a sign of things to come in Yokohama this weekend, if you know what I mean. Right, let's get on to the rugby. Emotions were riding high at the memorial service of late great Springbok wing Chester Williams. So much so that his wife Maria called out South African rugby for, and I quote, closing doors on Chester's coaching career while he was still alive. Chester eventually got given an opportunity to coach, to coach at UWC, whom he promoted to the vast to the Varsity Cup from the Varsity Shield in his time as director of rugby and produced Rugby World Cup Springbok Herschel Yankees in the process. But South African rugby president Mark Alexander, SA rugby president Mark Alexander, did not take kindly to the accusations that there were no opportunities for Chester Williams to coach in South Africa. And he responded at the launch of this year's Pro 14 tournament at Hyde Park in Johannesburg. I also took the opportunity to press the president on SA Rugby's transformation efforts, both domestic and international. Listen to this sit-down interview with the president. Could there have been more done to make sure that uh, uh, ex-legends like him get a place in the game? He's not alone. I think we mustn't forget that Chester was the coach of the... Sevens team, South African Sevens team. And he opted to resign from there to move on. Chester was also the coach of the Cats. One must forget in, two th- in the period of the 2007 World Cup, Chester was offered to be the assistant coach of Jake White. So uh, the utterances about us not giving up, we just has been given opportunities. He opted not to take those opportunities so, or, or resign. So I'm a little bit uh, better by that, but, uh, but you know, uh, everybody's got the right to say what they want to say. And uh, I respect uh, what, what has been said. Are you guys changed by the autonomy of the unions and the franchises? Uh, do you feel that they undermine SRB's efforts? And the reason I'm asking is because SRB can appoint directly Mzwake Ngozi to coach SSO's, the Piwenomromo, Bafana, but at provincial level, we just not see you see, you see, you got the provincial side of things, but you also got the company side of things with private equity. Mm. So it's like somebody coming in, and, and the private equity, of course, you paint the bills, you call the shots, and that's how it is. We're a little bit hamstrung around that, but we are working with our province, and the Russ has got a way of working with the provinces. They are talking about us giving them a group of players, co- coaches, uh, to go into there, especially coaches of color. But uh, yes, we are a little bit hamstrung because you're dealing with a private equity partner, and you uh, you know they they got the right to call the shots because they pay the bills there. So, yeah. Are you happy with how um, uh, how uh, Rasi Rasmus has managed to integrate transformation targets, even though there was a certain number that was selected? or that was targeted, but it seems that people are happier to have black players that are there 
on merit than just to have the numbers. I think you know, Rashi's mandate, Rashi understands his mandate. You know, we, we don't have to, to reinforce things and talk to Rashi. All the things he's done was done without even speaking to him. He understands what he has to do. So I think Rashi's done well as far as uh, the, 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 the transformation targets and all the transformation initiatives is put in place. That, was, that came directly from him without being to handle him and walk him through what he had to do. Yes, we might, might not have made the 50, but we must understand how this, the, the targets work. The targets that were set was uh, South African rugby will have a run-on team of more than 50%, 50 plus. That was the target. Now, in order for us to pass that target, we must, make, we must at least make 70% of that target. We would have loved to have more, but consider that, uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, uh, a PY Yankee uh, issue and all those other things. We would have got there. Now, we, I believe we're on, we're on track. Look at, look at our, 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 our youth teams. Look at the under-20s. Look at the under-18s. Look at the women's rugby team. We are getting there. We are getting there, and we just have to continuously chip away. We had our members now just sign off the transformation um, the targets for 2030. So they've each each member union signed it, the president, CEO, and uh, so they've signed that off. So we committed to that. And for us, it's not about the numbers. It's for us to be relevant in 2030. If we don't do this now, so there's an aging colored community and an aging white community. We will not be relevant if we don't do what we're doing now in 2030. There'll be no rugby, as we know it. Now the refereeing at the Rugby World Cup will come under huge spotlight and huge scrutiny. And there will definitely be moans and groans during the tournament. I expect a lot from South Africans, as usual. We like to moan about our refs constantly. South Africa, this time around, only have one official on the Rugby World Cup refereeing panel, and that's Yaku Paper. We also have one TMO, which is Marius Jonker. Now, a while ago, we managed to catch up with the retired top ref, Jonathan Kaplan, about the issues surrounding the officiating and the laws of the game. It's an interview you have to listen to fully. It is enriching. It is entertaining, too. There's a little mix of a basketball analogy in there, which you really want to get into. We'll plug it in. Um, it's about 13 minutes, so just sit down and relax and, and, and listen to Jonathan Kaplan really unpack the main issues that have had all of us complaining from Super Rugby right through to the Rugby World Cup, which is about to begin. It's a very, very informative chat. Listen to this. First up, there's been a lot of controversy questions around refereeing, especially in the World Cup Super Rugby and So, what are your what are your thoughts on it? And, and, and obviously, the cases that have been brought forward, and and uh, obviously, you know, they've been talking to the IRB and World Rugby to sort it out before it obviously gets to the World Cup. But the, the, a lot of the criticism has been on South African referees. Uh, well, it's the one that you're hearing about. I think uh, there's been fair amount of criticism of the Kiwis as well so uh, you know obviously we, we're in a, a tight spot at the moment because we've only got one guy going and there's lots of questions around that and they're legitimate in my opinion um, you know I think I think our, so we've got a, a very young batch of referees um, that you know one of them is an ex-rugby player one of them is an ex-sevens referee that's really his best skill set uh, we've got a couple of guys one started refereeing and then didn't like the landscape so he retired two got moved to the uh, to Europe so you know 
it's, it's made our resource base quite thin. I'm not making excuses, you know, some of them have, have, have not delivered well enough and perhaps we need to take a look at ourselves and understand that, that you know, we, we, we have dropped the ball and we need to improve. And, but, but I won't say, you know, and, 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 and your point about, uh, you know, Super Rugby, I think it's a well-made point because we consistently have less referees at the World Cup than the North and uh, that's, that should never be like that. It's actually, uh, you know, at some stage, they've got to start looking at redressing that imbalance. The first place I suppose we start looking at that redressing that is, is at the World Cup stage because often Southern Hemisphere teams are dealt with major blows with regards to refereeing and just major calls around the rugs and so forth when it comes to uh, being in those competitions. And we hardly ever cry about them because we're at the world stage and the world tournament. So how does, how does world rugby also maybe... Uh, yeah, so I, I just... I actually do think that we moan as much as any other nation. You know, I don't think I don't think we uh, exempt from that. I think you know, very passionate about about rugby and about all sport. And I think uh, you know, we got hard times at the moment, so we look to sport as a release and and to get out of it a little bit. And uh, you know, when your teams are underperforming consistently and they're not getting to semis and finals, and your expectation doesn't meet the reality, people moan. That's what they do. Uh, it's not to say the players are not trying 100%. In terms of the referees at the World Cup, and, and uh, I think it is, it can make or break you. There's no question about it. You know, a referee has a bad game at the World Cup, it's magnified. Um, you only need to look at uh, what happened to Bryce Lawrence, who refereed, uh, you know, this, this very poor game that he refed with South Africa, and, and he disappeared. Never, never refed another test match again. Uh, never left another South African team again. I, I don't know quite how they got that right, but it happened. And, and uh, you know, with Craig, poor Craig Joubert as well. He made a decision in real time, which a lot of us had to say, oh, hey, let me have a look at that again. What, what did he, you know, it, it, it's, it was a tricky call, but they amplified it. And obviously because it was the, it was the, defining, it was the defining call in this uh, quarterfinal, was it a semi-final, quarter-final? Yeah, Scotland, Australia. Yeah, quarter-final. Um, you know, Craig. That's. I think that's when Craig's star started to wane. Like he made a few. You know, I don't think France were thrilled with him because, like I said, every team. Yeah, every team. You know, if you're going to have a, there's always a bogey team somewhere. They start losing with you a lot, and I think uh, I find that unfortunate. But your point about, um, you know, these World Cup games. Being critical for one's career, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Just a last, just sorry, the standoff of the English in particular has been a big complaint within a lot of sporting matches. We saw an example in the Crusaders Tobas game where a pass that legitimately straight was due to forward. It, it, went, it went backwards. Yes. Um, what, 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 what has been your opinion of the match appreciating in particular throughout the tournament now that you find that we beat the, the point and, and how that influenced the opinion of match appreciations for the players? Yeah, so I answered a little bit of that in, 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 in respect of the earlier question. Yeah. Uh, that's why there's only five referees of the 12 from the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that we're not doing well uh, in, in the South African context at the top tier. Uh, we may be able to supply referees to under-20 tournaments and the like. Uh, 
it's 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 to do with for me always about the management of the resource. The resource can be shaped. It's up to the manager to make sure that that the correct things are emphasised, so that our, our referees are able to build on their uh, enthusiasm and their knowledge of referee. My my last question: instances like the Owen Farrell tackle. That that to you watching at home, it should just not be allowed. How 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 do we eradicate such? Not not fifty fifty calls, not tight calls around the rugs, down on the floor, your knee was touching, so tackler release. That Owen Farrell tackle. And I'm not playing because South Africa lost, it could be another team and somebody could not yeah. come back onto yeah. the field. It happened a week later, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it actually happened every single test match. <laughs> In that, in that November window. In that November It happened with, with Wales and Australia. Kiribati took a half penny out in the air. Got, he got nothing. And he actually should have got a red card. Not not yellow card, red card. So, so now the, games have, the game has changed and the laws around the game have changed as well. You know, in, in, I'm not joking. 30 years ago, that Kiribati tackle, and I'm, and I'm sure I pronounced the name wrong, uh, that, that would have been deemed to be legitimate and now it isn't like that because they're trying to uh, protect the player in the air so so just to answer your question there were a lot of uh, inaccuracies around in, in respect of sanction around that November window about tackling so you remember uh, the tip tackle was always the vogue thing to talk about did he do it did he take the legs through the through the parallel <laughs> Now there's more emphasis on protecting players in the air and making sure that those tackles which are equally harmful are, are protected and, and they didn't get it right. And what's more concerning is not that they didn't get it right in motion because that's what happens. How can everyone get everything right when you have to stand in one place? I can't see what's happening behind there. I can't see what's happening behind there, but the TV can see everything. So the, what's more concerning is that a lot of these referrals took place in slow motion and they still got it wrong. That's the, that's the worry. Not that the referee got it wrong. I'm not worried about that. That doesn't worry me. The, I know from being a ref that you can't get 100%. Yeah, and sometimes those tackles that are good tackles must actually be rewarded. You mustn't try and over-sanitize the game. But when you look at it again in slow motion and you can see clearly, hang on a second, this doesn't qualify for zero, don't do anything, uh, you know, that, that concerns me. But having said that, you know, the Six Nations window was actually much better. Yeah. And there was very little to, you know, so, to write about. so I'm not going to moan and say that that theme perpetuated. I think the referees got a rocket, deservedly. And uh, those that um, performed in the Six Nations actually didn't do a bad job. Johnny, um, my, my, I guess everyone is on contention with the laws I'm glad you added that <laughs> <laughs> um, the one that really gets my good is the high tackle um, and of course I, I, I fully understand the cleanup of the game and the safety because it translates to mothers allowing their kids to play the game but I'm noticing a trend where the, the, the tackler in motion is, is, is uh, uh, vulnerable to the ball carrier 
sort of dropping the shoulder and taking the hit on the neck. 100%. From left to from red card. 100%. That's like yeah. a guy. Yeah. So, so, from, so, so, yeah. so I, I, I've actually mentioned, so I, I, write for a, a col- I write a column for the Telegraph. Right. And I've mentioned this at numerous uh, junctures uh, that it is that, that the um, tackler is at the mercy of the ball carrier sometimes in terms of sanction and outcome because the, the, the outcome is not dependent on where he thinks he's lining the, the ball carrier up it's where the ball carrier it's where the contact takes place and, it, and sometimes that's not determined by the by the tackler yeah. so, so I, I think that those I, I, I've got great sympathy for the um, you know for the tackler in that situation uh, you know in, the, in this British Lions New Zealand game uh, Carl Sinclair he got a pass way above his head and he jumped up for the ball to catch the ball and landed on, a, on an all black um, Charlie Farmawina who then got penalised for the tackle that was not a dangerous tackle another guy landed on him he didn't do anything he, all he did was line up on defence and stand his ground and then you had a major test match being decided with that penalty you know, and I think like, what did you expect him to do? What more could he have done to get out of the way? And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I say that uh, in those situations, you've got to use more common sense and less um, uh, over sanitizing, over sanitization. You know? it, it looks like fabricated <laughs> contact. Uh, something that happens a lot in basketball. Um, where I, I think Fifita as well has been guilty of this way. You get the guy that's taller than the actual tackler that's carrying the ball, and somehow the point of contact is suddenly shorter, shorter than the actual tackler. Yeah. And they just, they just take yeah. it and it's so. low motion. Listen, you're preaching to the converted. I mean, if you if, if you were wrong, I would I would gladly tell you that I disagree. But in this particular case, it's one of my bugbears. I could you brought up an unbelievably salient point that that not many people want to talk about because we all understand why world rugby is making these changes. It's all for the good of the game in inverted commas. It's for the safety of players, and that's all good. But what about the poor guy that actually, what more could the defender do? Those are the questions that I like to ask myself if I'm in that position on the field. But so how will rugby actually going to, like, could we possibly put out a bit of a oh, I'm not, I'm not involved. I'm not involved. So, yeah. you know, like I said, for me, if that's the template but that they, they put in prep, place... Do they prep uh, refs before I would like to look up to this? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, every World Cup, every tournament, in fact there'll be a pre-tournament briefing on, listen, we were bad over here, like that November when we were bad in terms of sanction over there. You guys have to sharpen up. There's guys that are going to lose their place. No, no more chances anymore. So those type of messages do get conveyed. Perhaps could, could one, one of the solutions be having an, an offensive foul than defensive fouls all the time? Because hypothetically speaking, the fouls that, that, that are committed and that get the tacklers in trouble are defensive fouls. But could, could possibly, for instance, like a game of basketball where you can... Yes, yes, like travelling or something. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so you didn't think I knew that. <laughs> That's good. So, 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 so for me, the it's it's t- it would be very tough for a referee to <coughs> to penalise. I'll give you an example. They do have these type of things that you're talking about. So when if I lift a player and I don't put him down safely, 
I'm supposed to be penalized. Yeah. I haven't seen I've seen maybe one. I've seen one. But I haven't seen them. They're not they're not they they don't want to penalize referees don't want to penalize the team that's you know like a teammate who's doing it. He doesn't want to get involved in that. Now let me swiftly get to the upset of the week. I will be the judge, jury, and executioner, of course, this week. And I will give the upset of the week to Norwich, who beat Manchester City 3-2 at Carroll Road. A shock result. They actually had them 3-1 down, and Manchester City just could not find a way. Yep, the two-time defending Premier League champions could not beat Norwich, which is shocker. Crazy result. And the Playmaker of the Week award for this week on the Sports Live podcast has to go to the two teams, Supersport United and Cape Town City, for serving up a 3 all thriller at the weekend in Bombella, of course. And I must say that this Bradley Krobler guy is pretty handy. Now, there's a story that uh, former chief sub at the business day, Trole Khodi, used to tell me about Bradley Krobler's father, Les Krobler, who used to play for Morocco Swallows. He used to say that Bradley Krobler is a carbon copy of his dad, Les Krobler. Obviously, I was not old enough to see Les Krobler play, but I don't have to be a genius to figure out that this man shall I say, is a carbon copy of, of his old man, very handy striker, and I hope he gets mobile final caps and, and gets those deserved call-ups um, into the international ranks. Tune in to Cargumentative every Monday morning on Times Live Motoring. You can join myself, Thomas Faulkner, and my regular gang of automotive misfits as we discuss motoring news, views and of course have a cargument or two that's cargumentative only on times live motoring to advertise on the sports live podcast email us at smith s at tsoblackstar.co.za now i can't wait till i say this is the sports live podcast brought to you by this is your name your entity your brand right after the Sports Live podcast. That's Smith S at tsoblackstar.co.za. Smith S, S-M-I-T-H-S at T-I-S-O-B-L-A-C-K-S-T-A-R.co.za. Now, in the special part of this episode, we shine the spotlight on a young man that has grown on me, so much so that I think he's going to be one of the match winners for the Springboks during this Rugby World Cup, starting this weekend against the All Blacks in Yokohama. I am talking about none other than Stormer's scrum off Herschel Yanchis. The 23-year-old has made such a great impact on the international rugby scene since his wonderful debut against the Wallabies at Ellis Park that I tip him to really make a difference in Japan for the box. I was at Ellis Park when Yanchis made his debut, and I must tell you, the kid can play. He scored two tries and probably would have had a hat-trick were it not for Tom Banks tackling him into touch right before he scored his third try. Now, his parents were also there. And as far as Cinderella's stories are concerned, his is right up there with the most teary of airy fairy tales. I was at his hometown of Carmo a couple of weeks ago, and I have to tell you, it's a gorgeous place, but not a place you'd think a springbok would ever come out of there. I was on assignment for New Frame, and the story should be out 
pretty soon if it's not out by the time you hear this podcast. And I will give you, however, a little teaser from one of the people that I spoke to about Herschel while I was there. But before I get to that little nugget, listen to this nice interview I did with Yanchis before the Springboks left for Japan and the big showpiece. First things first, congratulations on making the Rugby World Cup squad. A year ago, I'm sure you would have said, uh, people are mad if they said you were going to be in this team. Um, but here, here you are in the Springbok team. How, how do you feel and what does it mean for you? Yeah, um, yo, it's mixed emotions, like I said earlier to the other guys. Um, I'm very, very excited, but at the same time, I'm also very nervous. Yeah. But I think it's good news. Um, yeah, so overall feeling, I think, is extremely very excited, but also very, very nervous. The way you played uh, has suggested an unbelievable step into international rugby. Surely that then means that when you got into the team, you were made to feel comfortable. What can you say about the environment that uh, Rassi Rasmus has built? Yes, I, I think Coach Rasmus is, is, a, is an amazing coach with, with his supporting staff. Um, we have a great group of guys, um, guys that played. I mean, there's beast in the team that played 110 teams for the Springboks. Yeah. Um, like guys like Dwayne Fabiel and them. So I think the result of, of or the process of me being so comfortable was definitely those guys surrounding me, um, and they definitely made me feel comfortable. Um, yeah. and, and that's probably why you guys see it as, as me being comfortable. Yeah. And uh, just from where you come from, Kyle Moore, um, how many Springboks would you say have come out of there? <laughs> um, there's only one Springbok and it's me. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, not a, it's not a big place. You said you're going to Kalmar, so you'll see what it's like in Kalmar. It's, it's a very small community. Um, yeah, mostly coloured. Um, and, and it's not, I, I would I put it, it's not the, the best environment for, for someone, for a young kid to, to, to grow up. Um, but there's some good good stuff coming out of Kalmo. It's yeah. not just bad stuff. And um, for me, it's, it's just if, if if I can can put some hope into a young young boys or young tutors, um, young kids' um, eyes, um, just think it's mission accomplished. If I can inspire others. Yeah, I was about to say you're probably a beacon of hope uh, for a lot of guys who probably think I'm too small to play rugby, or I, I wasn't born into rugby so to speak, or I didn't grow up in the best neighborhoods or didn't go to the best schools, yet here you are as an example of a guy who probably counted out a lot of the time and, and was, has managed to just use his opportunities every single time. Do you find yourself that you're an inspiration to a lot of people now? Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of people. There was a lot of people at my house yesterday before I came to Joburg. Um, so I, for me, I think it's just if, if you can have a mindset and, and, and believe it, if, if you have the, the vision to, to be able to do it and you actually have the drive with it and, and you put your heart and your soul and everything into it, you can achieve it. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Um, yeah, I've never had it easy going my way. Like I said um, earlier to the other guy, there's, there's guys that make it straight out of school. Um, and there's guys that, 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 that go on to play 110 games for the Springboks. Um, I inspire to be um, 
for one of those guys that also get to, to play under 10 or even more games for the Springboks. So, it's a massive achievement. I just don't want to be this guy that played, played a World Cup. He's gone now, is he now? Um, yeah, and uh, just want to make myself proud, make my parents proud, make the people of Calvin proud, mostly the people of South Africa. Um, yeah. You're saying, you're saying they were people at your house yesterday. Yes, yes. I mean, what, can you maybe just paint the picture of you know, what exactly happened at your house? No, I think in general people are very excited now in Kalmar. Um Not a lot of people knew I was home, um, but we had like a family lunch and stuff and I was family at my place and um, my, my parents and he organized everything. Um, and then obviously some of the neighbor, neighborhood people came and then they just came to ask for a picture just to come shake my hand and say congratulations and if I get picked for the World Cup squad, um, good luck for preparations and good luck for the World Cup and so on. At what point this season did you realize that there's actually a chance of you making this you know, the box squad for, for the rugby chance and then obviously the chance of making it to the, the World Cup squad? Yeah, I think probably the first time um, I got invited to the camp. Yeah, um, everything just just started from here. This is a snowball effect. I think if, if you you come into a setup, if everything, everyone is just a level above. You also want to strive to be on that level. Um, yeah, like I said, a great group of guys. So I also want to be on, on on that level or strive to be on that level. So were you shocked when when you received the call that you? Come into camp, or did you kind of expect it? I was, I, I, I was shocked, um, but it was a, definitely a surprise to me. Um, yeah, like I said in the, in the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have thought that I, I would be standing here having an interview with you guys being selected for World Cup squad. So yeah, I was definitely surprised. Um, Which was the bigger surprise, being called into the box camp, or actually knowing that you will be making the Final 31 main squad that will be going to the World Cup. Definitely making the final 31 going to the World Cup. Um, I think you can't compare the levels of excitement and surprise because I mean it's the first time I've, I've been called up to the to a box squad. So obviously for my first time I was I was uh, very excited um, and also now very excited. Um, Massive surprise, but but I'm, I'm I feel I'm I'm in a good space and I'm ready to go to work. before 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 Ellis Park, you know, a lot of people were like, shall we? And just when your name was being called out today, a lot of people would have gone, surely. How does that make you feel? Yeah, I think if, if <laughs> it makes myself feel proud, if I can put it that way. Um, because to me, it's, it's always been about just playing good rugby, um, enjoying the rugby, obviously. But just to play good rugby, I mean, it's, it's my job. So for me to complete the task and just play good rugby is, is the ultimate. Um, I think the other stuff comes comes by itself if you just do what you have to and, and sort of rise to the occasion. Do you at all get nervous? Because, it, I mean, you just took like a duck to water in that first test. Like I said, it's just another game. No, I was definitely nervous. Um, yeah, a lot of emotions that game. Obviously, it's my first game. So I was definitely, definitely very nervous. Um, but again, great group of guys. Kept me calm. Um, I played with, with Elton as my playoff, my first game. He kept me calm. Played with, with great Springboks, Francois Lowe with him. So yeah, they made it easier for me. So. That was Herschel Yanchi's talking about what it means for him to be part of the World Cup.
squad and what it means for the community of Kalmo to see one of their own rise up to become a springbok. Now, one of the most influential people in Herschel's life was the phys ed teacher from PC Peterson and a retired coach now that took him to Paul Roos. I want you to hear this little snippet of Christo Jaftis talking about rugby and Herschel and just hear how passionate this man is about the game and his young little protege that is going to set the world alight in Japan. So, uh, the, the first, so you would have seen him as a, as a, as a, a primary school lighting. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw that uh, you've got nice uh, um, skills, mm. kicking and aiming skills. And only thing for me was to just polish him and round it off. Mm, mm. So I can, and the other thing was as a, is it's passing from the left hand side. Mm. I was concentrated on that because I like that uh, a scrum up or a fly up. You must be able to pass mm. even for left and right. Mm, mm. So I, I took him at the back of the school. So, so that the uh, principal or the other teachers, teachers can't see. <laughs> so I wait until they move from the school. Mm-hmm. And so I practice him along, taking from the group. But there was a group, it was like it's so missed. They mm-hmm. don't want to leave without him. Because he was such a good player that they want, they mm-hmm. want to be with him all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it became later that they want him to be the captain of the team. Mm-hmm. But I took him from under 9 and he played under 11. Mm. He played with so the under 11. He got bigger, something bigger better than the other other players. Mm. Mm. And then I, I also uh, practiced a lot kicking, mm. like for the lineouts, grabbers, poles. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. But not kicking like just one kick and then we move. He must kick three kicks over. And then we move from mm. one spot to the other. Mm. From say from right to the center, to, then yeah. to the left side. Keep moving the yeah. angles, yeah, yeah. And when the wind blows, it's another story to kick. Yeah. So I practice against the wind. So mm. that he can mm. thus I mean the more he, he, he kicks, so he, 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 he picks something up. What is it like to kick against the wind? Mm. Not worth the wind. Mm. But the game is the mm. how much he plays his, his foot on the ball, on the ball and so on. Mm. And not looking there and kick like this, but yeah. kick and then after, after that, uh, you just follow what follow the through. So you must mm. concentrate where you want for good to be mm. on the ball, mm. uh, right place. Mm. And then uh, another thing is that he was very quickly learning how to kick the ball low, like in soccer. Mm. So, luckily for me, I was a physical education. Oh, you're a physical yeah, teacher. A teacher, yeah. So, uh, I, I knew about soccer also because mm. they, that, they also uh, uh, teach us how to uh, uh, manage or blow or play the game soccer also. Okay. So, I play a couple of games also mm. because I was a kicker in, in the rugby mm. and I can kick the ball and make that curl. So yeah. they want me either the yeah. soccer team because they say if you can kick a rugby yeah, ball, yeah. 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 But what I, I did is to, to curl the ball in the soccer game. So that guys know they fight. 
that's it for me spoom chigeliso and you've been listening to the sports live podcast thank you so much for joining us do also catch us on timeslive.co.za as well as Sowetan Live, Business Live. We are also on Iono FM, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. It could be Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, Pocket Cast, wherever. To connect with us, please use the hashtag SportsLive. Share your comments with us at Times Live or at Sowetan Live on Twitter. A big thank you goes out to the multimedia live team led by Scott Peter Smith and producer Paige Muller, as well as the Tiso Black Star Digital Sports Department, headed by Mninawa Mchana Ndrogo. Our sound and audio mixer is Innocent Manike. From us at the Sports Live podcast, it's goodbye for now. <laughs>